Live from the J.C. Newman Cigar Studio in Boston, Massachusetts, and the Gurkha Cigar Studio in beautiful British Columbia, welcome to the Smokin' Tobacco Show with your hosts, Matt Tobacco and Mitchell Santaga. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Smokin' Tobacco Show. My name is Matt Tobacco from SmokinTobacco.com, and I'm joined once again by my very good friend, Mr. Mitchell Santaga, up in beautiful British Columbia. Uh, I'm in the J.C. Newman Cigar Studios uh, Mitchell is in the Gurkha Cigar Studios. As always, it is a pleasure. Mitchell, great to see you. How's everything going up there in uh, the Great White North? Yes, it is beautiful. It is. Uh, we're approaching the season of the Great White North. You know, as we mention all the time, I am in the warmest part of Canada, but uh, it still does snow here. It's still Canada. Um, last. <laughs> it's still Canada. It still does snow up here, but. Uh, yeah, it's actually been really beautiful this last week. It's been about uh, 40 during the day and clear blue skies, um, 40 Fahrenheit. That's, I think, around, what, 10, 10 degrees Celsius? It's between 5 and 10 degrees Celsius. But, uh, yeah, just absolutely beautiful days, crisp, clean. I love um, walking out into crisp air in the morning. It's uh, it's very refreshing. It feels good on the lungs. And, uh Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's uh, the holiday season, obviously, last week being Thanksgiving. You know, it, in our regions where we live, it's 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 pretty cold right now, and it's going to get even colder. But um, we have a couple of guests with us who live in a much warmer climate, um, and I can't say that, uh, I, you know, I blame them, and I'm pretty jealous. I, I wish it was warm year-round where I live, too. Um, we are making their debut to the Smoke and Tobacco show which is very exciting. They have not been on before. A f- uh, father and daughter duo, which I think is the first time we've done on the show. We've had father and son. We've had, I think we've had some brothers on, but I don't think we've had father and daughter. So this is this is a first also. Very exciting. Um, from Casada Cigars, it is Manolo and Raquel Casada. And I'm going to bring them on now. Hello, Casada family. How are you? Hello. So excited to be here. <laughs> And even more excited that it's a father and daughter situation. <laughs> I know. Really special. Really cool. Um, I know. Manola, how are you? Fine. Thank you. Uh, we also wake up to brisk weather in the 80, high 80s and uh, 65% humidity. Oh, twist my arm. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of wakes you up too, you know. I was actually I was actually down in Santiago last year for Thanksgiving and I just remember leaving Boston and it was uh it was actually still kind of warm here really strange it was like 50 60 and so it was it was, it was like oh, all right and then I got to Santiago and of course it was beautiful and uh I came home and by the time I got back to Boston it had started to freeze, and it was like you know 35 when I landed back in Boston, and I was wish like, you had stayed <laughs> in the Dominican Republic. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it was it was quite a chill um, after that that heat that I absorbed. Um, <laughs> it was definitely a shock. <laughs> um, I imagine. But no, that's it's it's a beautiful place down there. You guys uh, you guys have down there. So, uh, but yeah, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Like I said, it's your first time. Um, we, uh, we have a couple of things we'll, we'll talk about tonight. But first, I just want to talk about some of the people that help make this show possible. Um, and one of those people is, of course, Two Guys Cigars. That's right, the number two, guyscigars.com. Head over there to find all of your cigar needs, whether it's cigars, cigar accessories, by the stick, by the box, whatever it is, the number two guys cigars has you covered. Head over there today. Um, we have guests with us, so, of course, I'm going to let them go first. Ladies always go first. So Raquel, uh, we'll start with you. What are you smoking with us tonight, if anything? Oh, well, today I'm not going to be smoking, and I'm really sorry for that. No, but it's okay. As I said before, I'm a little under the weather. Oh, that's right. I've had really rough days, and um, I'm really here because I appreciate you guys and because I really wanted to be on the show, but um, my father is smoking. <laughs> All right, so Manolo, what are you firing up over there? <laughs> I, lit, I lit up a Casa Magna 15th anniversary. Oh, wow. Wow. Very nice. Very nice. And I, I'm sorry to say I'm having a bowl with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that cigar is a very special one. 
Very, very cool. Very, very cool. Well, thank you for smoking a special cigar with us tonight, and uh, hopefully the rest of the experience will be just as enjoyable too. Um, Mitchell, what uh, are you? What are you smoking with us tonight? You, you must have some Casado cigars up there in Canada. I would have been also enjoying. Oh wow, that's but, a match! Uh, look at you. Uh, <laughs> I also had um, again Fancy. as a second. I would have. I would have been. Enjoying this Oktoberfest. Yep. I do Great. love, I do love a good uh, German beer as well. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, I won't be cutting or lighting tonight. But uh, I'll hopefully get to the lounge later on in the evening, and be able to light one of these up tonight. But uh, yeah, just some some uh, scheduling issues, not being able to make it out to the lounge tonight. So in the bedroom today. Yeah. No worries. Uh, I, I and, and to round this out, I'm smoking the Casa Magna Liga F. This is perhaps my favorite of the Casa Magnas. Um, it's just it's it's delicious. This is a fantastic cigar. Um, I had several at my disposal, and I said that's the one I'm going with. And I grabbed it tonight, and I'm really glad I did. It's it's burning well. It tastes amazing. Uh, it's just it's perfect. It's firing on all cylinders tonight. So really happy about that. But of course, Thank you. you can't have your cigar without the right cutter and the right lighter and when it comes to our cigar accessories at smoking tobacco we always rely on the best at sd dupont that's right so we have with us our sd dupont cutters and lighters and as always once again i have the Duffy extreme in the new matte finish petrol blue that's exclusive to the united states that came out this year uh, you can find this at any of your local sd dupont retailers don't forget to be exceptional at SD DuPont. Um, so let's get into our show here tonight, which I'm very excited about. Um, you know, we have two people who I think most cigar smokers probably at least recognize, if not know a little bit about, and have probably smoked cigars that have come out of your factory uh, in the Dominican Republic. Um, but, you know, Manolo, I mean, I'll start with you, you know, history obviously in a nice way of saying you're the older guy uh you <laughs> have a lot more history and experience in this um and you know i i do i, I prepare for the shows and I, I do my research and stuff too and um you know i remember you were also part of the hand roll documentary that was fantastic and anyone who hasn't seen it you should see it um which you talked a lot about leaving cuba and um you know that whole time, which I know there was many cigar makers who left Cuba and fled Cuba to start anew. Um, you guys landed in the Dominican Republic. Um, and if I remember correctly, uh, you guys, I remember you telling the story, and for those who haven't seen it, I'm going like, to kind of bring this up again and refresh. Um, I remember you telling the story of how you guys went to the, was it the Royal Bank of Canada? Yes. Yes, sir. To, sir. Get, to get the loan to, to, to start your your business in the Dominican? Yes. yes, sir. It was. 1961. And I remember you saying that was, how much was that for? $150,000 with no collateral. That's right. That's right. And which, it, you know, especially today, that doesn't seem like a lot. Um, and it, it sounded like even back then didn't seem like a lot for, for what you were trying to do, but that, that, that's what you got. And that's what got you started. And you know, the rest is history, I guess, so to speak, but you've had a lot of things happen along the way. Um, you know, I know that your family was originally from Spain and they came to Cuba. And if I remember correctly by trade, they were bakers. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. And it wasn't until someone, someone gifted you guys tobacco or paid you with tobacco. They paid a debt to the bakery with tobacco and the elders told the young ones, my great grandfather and his brother to take that tobacco and make a living out of it because the bakery didn't have room for them. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> that's, that, that's, 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 that's quite the, uh, that's, that's quite history. The yeah, that's, that is, that's, that's pretty interesting. Now, we, we have to clarify that in Cuba, we were not cigar makers. We were leaf brokers. We used to buy tobacco from the farms, sort, ferment, pack, and sell as raw materials, mostly for cigarettes. Okay. Uh, 
and Spain, France, North Africa, and the Canary Islands. And when we moved to the Dominican Republic, where we restarted the export business in Leaf, we didn't become cigar makers until 1974, when the family decided to start a cigar factory, and I won the raffle to go open a factory in the new free zone in Santiago, 19, June 1974. So next year, in June, it'll be the 50th year of the factory working in the free zones in Dominican Republic. That's that's awesome. I mean, 50 years. I mean, 50 years that's is awesome. a long time. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, I mean, and, and in that 50, 50 years. 50 years is you, a lot of years. That's a lot of cigars made. That's a lot of tobacco. Um, you guys have made a lot of cigars under the Casada name. Um, <coughs> you've also made cigars for others such as Ferry Otego, Nat Sherman, you know, before they closed. I know that you guys obviously, yeah. you guys worked a lot with Michael Herklotz, um, who I know you were, you were on the, on the Cigar Coop show with last night, talking a little bit about your history there. And I did catch yes. some of that show and it was awesome. And, um, Raquel, one thing I didn't let know me about. Let me tell let me tell you something. When I, when I started, um, working at the factory, um, and I was really young, not, 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 it was a, it was a, like a little part-time job when I used to go to school. Uh, we used to make Romero and Julieta in those oh, years. Really? Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yes. We made You can Rome tell, you can tell Julieta the story. Yeah. I got to hear that story. So <laughs> when, when did you start making it and, and, and how long did you say you made it for? Wally Frank in New York, Mr. Wally Frank bought the brand in 1978 well 1977 really and he approached me to start making the romeo julieta for him in dominican republic and we made romeo julieta for wally frank until 1998 when uh today altares back then it was Celta la calera bought wally frank and bought the romeo julieta brand and then they transferred production to La Romana to the Tabacalera de Garcia factory. So we stopped making them in 1998. Oh, very interesting. For 20 years, we did make 20 the years. Wow, 20 years. I did, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I didn't know that. that and that's very interesting. That's uh, why I mentioned it. Because it was for me, it was, you know, it was, it was like a relevant story that I remember from when I was very young. And it's obviously, it, you know, an iconic brand name, too. I mean, um, you know, obviously there's a, the Cuban counterpart, which goes way back. And then, of course, you know, the non-Cuban counterpart, uh, both of them, which are very, you know, very notorious brands, cigars. Uh, everyone and their mother who smokes cigars knows Romeo. Um, and, I, and I didn't know that that came out of your factory at one point. That's. That's very interesting. Um, 20 years is, 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 is a lot of years. <laughs> 20 years. So, so you know, go ahead, Mitchell. Do you know anyone who's ever uh, kept any boxes of those? Yeah, any of those laying around? <laughs> uh, there are some in the humidor in the factory, and they're now 25. <laughs> wow. Uh, God, more than that, 35 years old now. Wow. Wow. Cigar's older than me. Yeah, that's true. And that's, you know, <laughs> I run into people from time to time who have these cigar collections and they have stuff that's like not even made anymore or it's like something like that where yeah. it was made at another factory that hasn't been made at for decades now. Um, and I love that stuff because oh. I'm, I'm geeked out by that stuff too. I get all excited. One <laughs> of the memories that I have from very young too was like the, the refrigerator in my house, like the, um, yeah, the refrigerator was full of cigars. Like you open the refrigerator to get like cheese or milk, and it was full of cigars. And so, Raquel, you mentioned that when you were younger. So, how, when did you really start kind of working? Um, I guess, so well, working full time. Um, it was twenty two thousand. In two thousand. Because when I, I I graduated from here in Dominican Republic from the university as an undergrad. And then I went to Boston for four years to um, studies and master's degrees. And I worked in a Gloucester Street cigar company there too. I don't know yeah. if you know the the store, um, at Gloucester and Newberry. Yep. So I worked there as a um, part-time well, as I was studying at the same time. 
And then I came back in 2000 and that's when I really, I mean, we used to go to, to the factory during summers when we were in school or at the university, but we were very young. So, you know, it was just, we carried boxes and, you know, like played with the cigars. We went to the aging rooms, we ran in the bales, you know, we have, we have, we always have, we joke about this. Like we used to run in the bales and just like play hide and seek and stuff like that. But it was like in 2000 when I started more serious about it. Uh, and since Raquel had graduated from studying, Boston so University, had... we gave her a, a very prime office space. Her, her office was a chair in front of a bale of tobacco. And that's where she kept all her notes <laughs> and all her... Uh... Yeah, there was no privileges. <laughs> so regard, yeah, regardless... Regardless Having of the a education, last name, it was not. It was not. It was not fun. <laughs> yeah, you had to start at the bottom, like everybody else. I mean, that's. Yeah, well, yeah. My far. father always said, like, you have to, <laughs> you have to know, like, every single step, and when so when you get to other levels, then you know what people, and you know, like in other places, are telling you it's true or it's not true or how to make it better. So I went through every single department. I did um, wrapper sorting. Um, I did um, cigar. I made cigars. I did, um, you know, like take care of the aging rooms and the fermentations of the tobacco. We did, I mean, we did everything um, in order to understand the whole process and make it easier. So when we are in other levels of the tree mm -hmm. we know what's going on and let me tell you something i really like i have a really good story on the classifying of the colors before going to the boxes to leave the factory to ship i mean that is for me was like one of the most difficult processes i mean you're standing there the whole day looking to all these colors and I didn't understand why I had to do that all day. I was like, do I really have to sit here? It's, it's mind boggling. I don't want to do this. And he was, you have to, you have to. And let me tell you something now, when I go through and I pass by, I can see the colors and they pop up to me so easily. And I tell the lady, oh, this color doesn't go there or this color doesn't go there. Please take it out, please do this. So I really appreciate it now, but at the moment it was really difficult. You know, because it was like, why do I have to be here the whole time? Why do I have to be here the whole day classifying all these colors? It doesn't make any sense, you know, but at the end, it really pays off. Yeah, you know, the thing is, I mean, a lot of the companies, as you as you guys are very well aware, um, you know, a lot of these are family businesses and a lot of them are multi-generational. I mean, I, I know down in the Dominican, you got you got the Fuente family. You know, yep. you, you got so many, you got so many families. EPC, There's you guys, mm -hmm. you got yeah. the Carrillos, La I mean, yep. La Flor Dominicana, the Gomez family, all multi-generational families. Yeah. Kellners, yeah. The, oh, yeah, the Kellners. The Kellners, um, exactly. You know, and so it's, that's what makes the business so <laughs> special and different than a lot of other industries. And we talk about this all the time, but I mean, this is. This is kind of what makes it special. You, you, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a skilled business. It's a it's a family business. It's a, it's a business that's always hand it's handed down. It's you know, and and the story's always the same. You know, and, and we've had so many different people on the show before. We've had this conversation mm -hmm. so many times, and it's funny because the story is always the same. And I think that, and it and it and it's not a bad thing. It's I think it just no. continues to speak to the importance of the process, Raquel, like you were saying, mm -hmm. um, and it just continues to illustrate and paint that picture of, you know, what makes that the small little industry of, you know, handmade premium cigars um, so special. And, you know, it's, it's, you make the jokes, but it's like, yeah, you, you started at the bottom, you went to school, you know, you, you came to the U.S., you went to Boston University, which is a mm -hmm. great school, and you come back to the Dominican, and you're sitting in front of a bale of tobacco with a notebook essentially and that's it that's what exactly. you got that's, and then you're sorting another, wrappers another another <laughs> process of understanding too <laughs> like what what is going on <laughs> Matthew, it, took, it took me 27 years to have a bathroom in my office so she she considered a bale and, and, and do that <laughs> her uh, there you go there you go um 
yeah, yeah how, well, I think you know, I was, I was many... really privileged though to you know to still be very very young or as a child to remember like the warehouses and the bales and the factory and how we like I did I had the opportunity to grow together with all the processes and the factory per se so I'm very privileged I was very privileged you know to to like where Imagine I stand you. now everything that I I went through now it's a good experience you have to remember, Matthew, that tobacco and cigars have certain processes that cannot be altered or violated. So patience becomes a necessary tool to work with tobacco and cigars. And if you don't learn to respect those times and those moments, then you've wasted your time. And you can only do that by being bored all day by changing tobacco bulbs, or by casing tobacco, or by sorting colors, or by making cigars. And you have to learn all these little things so the big picture fits in as it should be. Yeah, there's a lot of moving pieces that, I mean, I, last, like I said before the show, last year I, I was down in Santiago and I was, I was in a factory and I got to really see that process completely. Uh, and I was and I was only there for a couple of days. Uh, you know, you guys do this every every day. You know, um, but and for me it was overwhelming because you know I had always heard, you know, what it's like and you know the, the the things that happen in the factory. But when you actually see it, especially as an outsider who who does not do this every day, it's very overwhelming. Um, it's very um, it, there's a lot to it. And the and to see folks such as both of you. Who just know that process? You're in that factory every day. You're 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 watching everyone and seeing, you know, is everyone doing the right job? Like Raquel said, like now you you walk by the sorting and you're like, nope, that that's not right. That we got to move this that's around. Right. And it's and that is an acquired thing. I mean, acquired. it's just the time of that you put in and you know over and over and over again and learning it, and then it becomes a second nature to you. But ultimately, in this business, you know, you know, like you said, I mean, you can't you can't rush things. Things have to be done a certain way, and you have to respect the time. Um, you know, it's, it's what, what do they always say? It's there's 300 hands that touch a cigar before it gets to you. And, um, it, it I'm sure it's Raquel, especially for you, you know, you know, when you were younger, uh, in Manolo, when you, in the family, you know, first started making cigars, uh, probably even more so for you, uh, when you first start making cigars, it, it has to be intimidating. Um, you know, having to go through that and, and learn those processes and set up how you do things and, 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 and figure out, you know, how things are supposed to be. So you can, you can make a good cigar to put, to sell to people. Um, it's, it, it, it must be quite a lot to, to take in and then be consistent with it over time. That is, that is the main word consistent. Yes. We talk about quality all day long. And quality is very important, but consistency in quality is the key to the whole thing. You can't just be good one day and not so good the next day. You have to be good every single day. To the best of your abilities, we're not saying that we're the best or anyone's the best. To the best of your abilities, you have to be there every single day and be consistent about what you're putting at. Because remember, every cigar we put on the table has our name on it. Yeah. And the Fuente has her name, and uh, Carrillo has his name, and so on and so forth. We have to have pride in what we put forth to the smoker. And we cannot ruin that moment that the smoker is willing to engage, to enjoy himself. We cannot be the culprits of ruining that day. So we have to make the best that we can so that that moment becomes an experience to be remembered. And a moment that the gentleman will appreciate, or the lady will appreciate, and have a very good time with a sensorial adventure that has all sorts of dimensions and all sorts of different moments as you're smoking a cigar. So we have to be very careful to put a cigar that will accomplish that goal that we put forth to the cigar smoker. So yes, I think the, very important. 
I think the Casa Magna 15, you know, speaks volumes to that. You know, obviously you guys have, like I said, coming up to 50 years, but a brand like Casa Magna, you know, hitting some major accolades and, you know, there's always that story of, you know, the, the big climax of a brand and just the fall off of quality and consistency from those brands. But um, Casa Magna holding on for years and, you know, it being also, I think the, the Casa Magna Colorado Robusto was one of, if not the first ever Quesada cigar I ever got to try up here in, in Canada. And it That's was, I was blown away. So it was, um, you know, ha- having 15 years of this brand out and it was still performing so well is, uh, is time and testament to all that. Well, you, you, you make my say that. So we're done. Thank you. <laughs> in, but in my and now, experience and now talking about that um, Jean, oh go ahead go ahead Raquel. i'm sorry i think i'm 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 a little behind oh is the delay nothing i was gonna i was gonna say really quick that um my father is very humble but i'm gonna say something that uh in my experience every time somebody tells me your cigars are you know, the quality and the consistency, the consistency. I've tried this cigar 10 years ago or five years ago, and I try it now, and it's the same. I always have that little voice in my back of my head telling, my, like, my father's voice saying the quality is important, but the consistency is always important, too. So, you know, it kind of kind of relates to that. So. Oh, it's very true. I mean, you know, you, you go, you know, you buy, you buy a can of Coca-Cola, and you open that, and you drink it, and... You know, you fly, you know, to the other side of the country and you buy it in a different store and you open a can of Coca-Cola, it should taste exactly the same. And it's mm-hmm. the same concept. You put a product out and, and you know what? You have that Coca-Cola in 2001. It should taste the same in 2008 um, exactly. and 2015. And, you know, that's I and it's it's easier to do in some industries and it's harder in others. And I would say, you know, in this yeah. industry, in ours it, it's hard. harder to do. I mean, you're talking yeah. about organic leaves and the process that they go through then making the cigar and then aging the cigar and make there's so many variables um mm-hmm. mitchell you were going to say something um what, sorry what, what were you gonna, no that's okay that's okay oh it's, it's all good yeah i was just gonna say you know obviously coming out with the 15 it, it's probably uh you know taking the essence of the original casa magna which is still made what kind of differences coming into blending this cigar um did you did you want i assume manola was was at the head of probably blending this but i'm sure raquel you had a lot of input into it what what were the things that you were like what essence did you want to capture and what did you also want to change about almost modernizing the blend because i have smoked the the 15 already and it definitely has that touch of that more modern feel compared to where cigars used to be 15 years ago um yeah do you want to talk, well, to, talk about that manola I'm a firm believer in balance. I am a firm believer in equilibrium. And a cigar has to be balanced, has to have a little intensity, but enough intensity to allow you to enjoy the other flavors that the smoke can provoke in your palate. So when it comes to intensity, I am more of a mid to a little higher intensity but not really high intensity because to me, that is a one track deal. If the intensity is so strong, you cannot enjoy the rest. It's like putting uh, peppers on food. If you overdo it, all you're tasting is the the hot sauce. And I tell people, if you're gonna do that, drink the hot sauce out of the bottle, leave the food alone. (laughs) I think um, Mitchell, (laughs) <laughs> you hit the, you know, you hit the words. We all we wanted to make this 15th anniversary a Casa Magna style because we're commemorating the Casa Magna Colorado. So it gives you a little bit of that resemblance, but with a more modern, you know, style, um, market-wise, and uh, what's going on in the industry. So you know, like the strength, the the balance, as my father said. But always, like, even though it's a different smoke, it kind of takes you back to the Casa Magna, Colorado. Yeah, and in the Casa Magna, you know, like Mitchell said, you know, probably perhaps one of the most important brands you guys make. Um, 
that cost a magna 15 obviously being a celebration you know extension or commemorative you know that helps really celebrate that brand and and cross a milestone so to speak you know last year i think it was last year we we saw the manolo 75 that was last year right yeah that was last year yeah um last year. which again i mean that was a great cigar too um and well but that's a, that's a special thing that was special <laughs> no 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 that's the only thing is like he he blends that on his own taste if you like it it's fine and if you don't like it you're good to go <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, Raquel, because, you know, as cigar makers, you know, you guys obviously blend cigars. You have your own palates, but you also have to think about, you know, you make a cigar that you're going to sell and bring to market, you know, who who's going to buy it and enjoy it. So do you often find that when you are working with tobaccos, when you're blending cigars, you know, are, do you find that, you know, you come you, you make cigars that or are there any cigars in your line? which I'm sure there are some that you've made where personally on your palate, you don't love them, but they're great cigars and you know that other people will love them. That's very true, Matthew. We cannot make only cigars that we like. That would be defeating the whole purpose. Right. We, we deal with individual palates in the market. So we have to make blends that have enough spectrum to appeal to a, a larger number of smokers by the, uh, the the sensations that the smoke will provoke in the palate. And if you have a wider range of possibilities, you can please a lot more people that way. If you make it a narrow field, then you are keeping smokers away from enjoying the product, the blend that you're making. So yes, we try to blend to make it amenable to the larger number of smokers possible and sometimes we do make blends that are not the ones that we love to smoke every day but we make them because these are cigars that are great that will smoke great and will appeal to a different sort of uh parameter in palace in the market so i like to try to ask difficult questions when I can um, and if you don't want to answer I understand but out of the cigars you make which are personally your least favorites personally my least my least favorite today are <laughs> the ones that have a lower range of intensity my palate at my age requires a little more intensity to allow me to enjoy the smoke. So blends that we make that are a little milder is the word that is used in the market. I usually don't uh, go, go to those. In my case, I like, I really enjoy them all, but I'm more on the medium side. So I, <laughs> I like them all, I enjoy them all, but when I'm gonna smoke the ones that I prefer, I, I would do more, a Casa Magna Connecticut, a 19, Casa 1974, um, the Liga F, it's my top. The Colorado is beyond my understanding. <laughs> <laughs> Very fair yeah. answers from both of you. I'll give you that. <laughs> Very fair. <laughs> we but practice again, this every time, Matthew. You know? Oh, yeah. I, I, no, I'm, I'm sure kidding. <laughs> I know you guys are not new to this, so this is this is you know you're, you have some experience doing this, um, but no, very very fair answers. Um, you know, obviously we have people who have already commented on on fiftieth, um, and you know I th I know that you guys have had the, there was the fortieth anniversary, you had the seventieth the seventieth anniversary, um, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and like I said, I already there's, there's, there was some comments. I, I'm kind of not in touch with the comments tonight just because I. I have some other stuff that I'm doing, but I did see some some people um, wondering what the 50th cigar will be. Um, pe people are people are already already asking questions um, on that. Oh, that's that has been a very tough um, <laughs> project, <laughs> but it's going to be a very interesting one because we have tobaccos that are very old from inventories that we have had. 
So it's going to be very challenging. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. It's and it's going to be the 50th is going to be a cigar that we have never made a taste profile that we have never made in our 50 years in the factory. I'm very excited about it. And it has a little, uh, a little intensity to it, but enough intensity to wake you up, but allow you to enjoy the cigar as well. Okay. Yes. Okay. Now is this that's something? coming? That's coming up in Pro Cigar. It's going to be released at Pro Cigar. So if you're going to be around oh. the Pro Cigar Festival in February, you're going to have the chance. Come to our factory, and you're going to have the chance to try it. Let's see. Now, fully commercially, is this is it going to make its full formal debut to the market at PCA in in March? Yes. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes. And that's the other thing too. I mean. We've talked about this with a couple of manufacturers, and everyone kind of has a little bit of a different answer. Um, you know, with that trade show moving up, has that affected any of your s projects that you, you know, had scheduled in a certain timeline for for whatever, or has it really been not an issue at all in in the way that you're going to, you know, debut the stuff you're working on and release um, for 2024? No, we knew we knew that the PCA was going to change the dates, so we started getting ready for it way before it happened so we could be on time for the march convention in vegas yes and let me tell you but something no, my father it, went to vietnam i don't know if you knew this i didn't know that yes he went I'm to sorry, vietnam I, so everything er, that you went to vietnam so everything in my personal and business life has been ruled with that type of um, orientation. <laughs> so yes, we were very, very, very ahead of the PCA in March. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. You guys are in a good position. Then. Um, we have a, we actually, I have a question here that I'm going to bring up on screen. Um, if I, there it is. How do you know if there is a cigar that you may not enjoy, but other customers will like, do you have a panel of people who taste the blends? We do. Uh, it's an internal panel. We don't bring people from the outside of the factory, but we do it in the factory. And we have five people that sit with Raquel and I, and there's seven pallets there. And even though they're talking to me and Raquel, so they're a little shy at times, but we encourage them to be honest about what we're smoking. And sometimes their comments will lead the conversation towards that idea rather than w what was originally put forth. So having the interaction between the seven people that are smoking does give us uh, uh, an idea of, a lot of where we're going, what's happening. Yeah, that's a very good question. You know, I, I think that's a that's a process of the manufacturing process that I, I, I don't think we talk about a lot on this show, and I don't know how many um times it gets it gets brought up to you or to others but you know that that whole like you know you guys working on a blend obviously you yourself so you you're working with it you work the tobacco you roll a cigar you you're tasting that how how it how it works together but then you have to kind of test that blend internally like manola like you said like no one from outside the factory but you still have to test it with other pallets um, so y you have to, you have to get people together internally and test it out. And even then still hope that when you release it to the millions of people in the U S and across the world, um, that it's, it's still gonna hit the right pallets for enough people that it becomes a success, which I'm sure every time you release a cigar, no matter how great you think it is and how, you know, well planned out and how well made it is, there's gotta be that, that sense of, I hope this. I hope this is going to be a hit, you know. And and it, yeah. you must you must still get nervous before every product launch. Like I hope this is going to be good, because um, I mean you know, it, it's hard when you when you put something out there to the world and to see. What but you also think. have to remember, Matthew, that when we're smoking, we're making blends. We're smoking cigars that were just made by the cigar maker. These are cigars freshly made, and a fresh right. made cigar never gives you the right idea of what's happening. So it behooves us to smoke and say, this that we're smoking today, six months from now, is going to be what we want it to be. And 
we have to make that decision. And thankfully, we've been right more with, more times than wrong in, in projecting what we're smoking today to when it goes into market six or seven months later. Yeah, absolutely. You have to you have to gauge where it's going to be after the aging process. Um, exactly. Yeah, which again, that's. I don't know if I could ever do that. Maybe with some time. I don't know, but you know, that's um, that's that's definitely that's definitely a, a very important part of the process. A very important skill to have, and I'm sure it's it's not easy. It might be a little easier for you guys now that you've been doing it, but um, you know, taking like you said, taking something fresh and being able to judge like, okay, this is where it will end up when we're ready to release it and, and hope that it's on par and you hope that you're right, like you said. Um, and we also um, try the tobacco is 100% alone before doing any startup on a blend because we need to see what are the tastes, what are their characteristics. Uh, maybe I want to use this. Maybe I don't want to use this. Maybe I want to introduce a little bit more of that or that, you know? It's you play around, but you really have to know your tobaccos beforehand in order to make it happen in a better way. Yeah, I mean, like a chef in the kitchen, you have to know your ingredients before you make the recipe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's the same concept, and, and um, y you have to know how all those pieces are going to work together um, yep. when, you, when you put them together and you, and you let them age and, and hope that they all marry just right the way you want it to uh, yep. when that process is completed. Um, yep. Yeah, it, a, lot, a lot goes into that, you know, of, of course. Um, I wanted to ask you guys one thing before we go to our news segment, which I'll give you guys a break from, and we'll do that, and we'll come back. Um, but, you know, I, I mentioned, and I, I know last night you guys, like I said, you guys were with Coop last night, and I know you had Michael Harklotz with you, someone who you, you guys have known for a long time, and you've done a lot of things yes. with. And you've manufactured cigars for Nat Sherman and now for Ferry Otago. Um, would you say that that relationship, among others that you have, um, have been, you know, very quintessential to the growth of the of the of the factory and the business um, over time by, you know, expanding, you know, your horizons on what you do and and further influencing, you know, what you know what comes out of your factory and and bringing attention to it. Indeed, having a, a relationship as we did with the Shermans for many many years, Joel Sherman is a wonderful man, a most intelligent and passionate individual. I learned a lot from him. And that relationship was always good to our factory. And when Michael came to Nat Sherman in 2012, I believe it was, we had known Michael from the Boston and Davidoff days in New York. Mm -hmm. So it just, he, Michael just fell right into that relationship. Uh, we knew each other, we were treat each other as family. And now he, he is in charge of the Matt Sherman uh, business. So it just fell right right in step. And we just continued. Uh, and it has been a relationship that has been very good for the factory, not only economically and in numbers, but also in learning and having a relationship that is really meaningful and profitable in not money terms in people terms, in uh, the, the way we behave, the way we think, the way we, we look at things and come to a conclusion. And sometimes we come to a conclusion by giving and taking, and we're able to do that because we know that we're always working for the better goal of everyone. It's not, I'm doing this for myself, and I want to do it this way, and this is how it's going to be. No. With, Matt Sherman and Michael, we are able to sit down and, and talk about the whole process and the whole idea and come to conclusions that thankfully have been very good for everyone involved. So in other words, I mean, to you, the, the value is the relationships, not really the, it's not really about the money. It's, it's the relationships that have to come first. The rest of it falls of in place. If it, was, if it was only money, it, it, it would be a totally different uh, relationship and it wouldn't be as successful as it has been over the years absolutely absolutely i mean yeah and and again that relationship that you guys have had has been um you know huge for i think all parties involved and 
again, uh, just another another chapter in, in the in the history of the brand um, that's really helped you get to where you are today. Um, and I, you know, I think it's fair to say you pro you you may not be as far as you are today without being able to to have those partnerships over the years that you know have helped you continue to grow and, and do all the things that y you want to do outside of that just under your own name um you know it all it all kind of works together as one yeah, machine together. um i'm going to take a break with you guys for a second we're going to do our news segment and then i'll come back to you um just you guys have a quick break uh our news is once again brought to you by mccallif cigars featuring the mccallif black rated 91 at smokingtobacco.com check it out today you can get it at the number two guys cigars.com Calf black it's a blackout so uh cigar news this week mitchell i know you were very excited about this too uh when this story went out uh and this is probably one of the biggest stories of the year that we have covered something that has been anticipated for a long time that's been talked about in hushed tones on when is it going to come when is it going to come um and we now have the answer to that um the fuente and padron collaboration the fuente e padron legends has begun a shipping officially um, after being showcased at both the 2022 and 2023 PCHRA show. The long-awaited Fuente and Padron collaboration, Fuente y Padron Legends, is finally shipping. Carlito Fuente told us Thanksgiving Day has promised a very significant date to pay gratitude and tribute to two great legendary men of our industry. And he went on to say that two full containers with more to follow um, have officially shipped. Mitchell, I know this is something that, you know, we've been talking about for two years now. Um, it's, yeah. It's been well, like, they... when's it going to ship? When's it going to ship? And, you know, we thought, hey, could still be another year away. You know, this year rolled around. You know, you know, Coops, Coops had his bet with Abe. And um, looks like he's going to cash in on that. But uh, it, it's finally it's finally coming and just in time for the holidays. Just in time for the holidays, you know, and I think even in the beginning of the year, a lot of people projected around this time for it to come out. Um, but yeah, like, like I said, I think it was announced sometime close to two years ago. And then at the trade show for 2022, it was officially kind of like people were like, this, this is it. Here it is. Um, and then and and then we've been waiting a whole year past that to to really get uh, get a hold of it so yeah definitely like i said probably one of the biggest stories of the year very exciting um i, I had to read this one off obviously it, we, this has been something that people have been asking about for ever since it, it was announced ever since there was rumblings about it that it would even be a possibility that there was a project going on between the two and um and now here we are so for those who, who are lucky enough to, to track these down and actually acquire them which i'm sure is going to be uh probably not very easy um or uh you know very I, i'm sure that they, they're going to be very expensive too uh when they do go out but you know very special project i mean the meaning behind yes. it is, is i think is everything the cigars themselves i mean i think will speak for themselves i mean you're talking about two brands that you know they've been doing this a long time that have made a lot of great projects and some really uh key cigar brands that are out there on the market today uh, this this is really cool to see, and I know um, that you know, this is not the the only one of its kind, and and we even saw something similar at PCA this year between Pete Johnson of Tatuaje, and of course uh, Don Papin Garcia at My Father's Cigars, um, where the La Union, which was mm -hmm. shown at the trade show, um, you know, was kind of the same thing with Pete making a cigar and um, Papin making a cigar, you know vice versa well, yeah and and that that collaboration you know is 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 even more of a familiar thing right even more of a family-based thing there right you know Tatuaje and my father are almost one in the same right you don't have one without the other kind of right it's it's just um well, and i'll be honest it, with you i'll be honest with you that project i don't feel like i hear enough people talking about and i don't and 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 it's a shame because i i feel like that's going to be a very big deal when it is released. It's going to be very special. I think those cigars are probably going to be pretty great, safe to say. I mean, just based on yeah. their history. And I don't feel like I feel like we don't hear a lot of people talking about it. We've talked about it on our shows a couple of times. You know, as we've covered PCA, we've talked about you know things that we're excited about. But you know, I don't hear people talking about it a lot, and I'm a little disappointed by that as a as a cigars fan. You know, take take this out of you know 
on a personal level as a, as a cigar lover and fan, um, I'm like, you know, I, I don't know, I'm hoping that it, it, it gets more attention as it gets closer to release, but I'm surprised I don't hear more people talking about that. It's a little disappointing. I'm not going to lie. Um, but anyway, that is, that's our news this week. So if you want to read more about it, want to get some more information, head over to smokingtobacco.com. You can read the article on our website. It's all right there. Uh, let's bring our guests back onto the show. Uh, I don't want to leave them waiting for too long. Sorry, I had to fix this. There we go. Um, guys, <coughs> thank you for thank you for waiting for us while we did that. Um, and I know that we are. I'm look. I'm watching the time, and uh, we're going to keep this show close to an hour. So don't worry. I won't go. I won't go past that. I am very conscious of the time. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you guys about. You know, we talk about family, obviously, and it's a very recurring theme on this show is and on others i'm sure um but we talked about the father and daughter being here and the family dynamic um i know that you know we've talked to a lot of father and sons and um i know how this business can be and i know i know what it's like personally to to work for uh, a parent um in a professional environment and how and how that can be, Raquel. Would you say that you know? And we and we kind of talked a little bit about this in the beginning. But would you say that you know, working in the family business, working you know for your dad and learning from your dad, um, do you think that your dad was was really tougher on you than he was any of the other employees because he wanted you to succeed so much? Like, what, what's the, what's that relationship been like uh, between the both of you? Is I guess what I'm asking. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. Um, in this side of the world, um, girls are very protected. And, but my father was very on the strict side, even though he protected us, but he really wanted us <clears throat> to shine for ourselves and teach us everything that we had to know. Not in a tough way, but with a tough message i don't know if it, if i can if it, if it goes through um so we were very aware that he's very strict very perfectionist we were always on top of doing things as perfect as possible <laughs> Um, I remember in the factory, not in this factory that we're now, but in the other that we were before, there was a speaker phone in the whole factory. And he would go, Raquel Quesada 231. That was the extension. And when you heard that, I mean, the world stopped. You had to run for your life. <laughs> You're like, oh, no, I'm being summoned. <laughs> but let me tell you something. And I said yesterday with Michael, and Michael agreed with me yesterday at, at the show. Michael agreed with me that he, even though he was very tough, he was very open to let us do our thing, even if we succeeded or not. At the end of the day, he always wanted us to do the things that we thought they were good and they were going to be successful, even though they weren't going to be, or he knew it wasn't going to be. So at the end, he let us be. So that's important. I mean, sometimes you have to learn because by if, failing. If every time, yeah, exactly. That's what that was the the lesson. So if every time you have something that you want to create and somebody comes, oh no, no, that's not going to work, or no, that's not going to happen. I mean. It's, it, it doesn't encourage you to keep on going. So at the sure. at the end, we had all these events, all these ideas, all these crazy <laughs> projects. But he was always um, amicable to let us be. And and let me tell you, we succeeded in many, and we didn't fail. We didn't fall, but maybe they were not as successful as others. But he was always there and backing us up. To be better. The bottom, so, the bottom line of that conversation is, I was young once as well, and I was enthusiastic, and I had new ideas, and I had sometimes crazy ideas. But my elders always gave me the opportunity. My brother and I both do what you think you want to do, and if you fail, learn and move on. And if you succeed, that's your job. So I used the same approach with the young ones. I said, 
you have ideas, put them forth. And if they work, great. If they don't work, learn and move on. There's a famous story really quick no, that absolutely. I always tell that um, one day he was the, he was he was a master blender. I mean, he was the one that did all the blending. So one day um, I've been working in the factory maybe for like five or six years, something like that. So I was still learning because you learn every day. But still in this industry, it's you learned a lot every day. So he tells me what to do. So in the blending process, I changed his blend. <laughs> So when I put it in his desk, I ran and and I, I went to my little veil and hid. And when I heard the 231 speakerphone telling me to come to his office, I was like, oh, my God, I am dead. <laughs> so when I went to, to the <laughs> so when I went to the office, he said, what did you do to my blend? I said, well, I tweaked it a little. He said, well, let me tell you something. This is the blend that I like, and this is the blend that we're going to use. So the cigars came out saying, made by Raquel and Manuel Quesada. Was that, was that like a big proud, proud papa moment for you, Manolo? Oh, indeed. Oh, indeed. <laughs> because it, it told me that she had put the effort and had been humble enough to learn, and she had the passion, and she had the audacity to change the blend that I had made and put it in front of me. So, yes, I was very proud. <laughs> that day, I was very proud. Yeah, that, yeah. that's, that's, that's going to be special for you guys on a personal note, too, when you, when you have that, yeah. that connection. And, Raquel, would you say that was, like, the moment when you, you kind of really got that confidence, like, you know what, I can, I can do this. Like, I I'm can gonna, do I'm, this. I'm going to be all right. Yeah, I think yeah, I'm going to yeah. survive. <laughs> Yeah. Well, at that moment, I didn't even know if I was going to survive. <laughs> but here I am. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, at, at that moment, I was so proud that my, my being proud overtook my desire to kill her right there. <laughs> well, thank God for that. Yeah, but we had, we had other, yeah. other good stories, too. Like, we, like, my father never wanted to have the Casada last name in one of the the cigars because he thought that it was his last name and it was very you know it was a very um a lot of responsibility so we the young ones decided that we were going to make a cigar with the casada celebrating the 35th years of the factory so michael came down to dominican republic without my father knowing so we hit him in the back of the factory we made this blend. We went to New York. We released the cigar without him knowing anything. Wow. That <laughs> was probably not easy. I don't know how Boxes, you pulled that off. Bands, <laughs> blends. And yet he lives. <laughs> <laughs> so let me tell you, we have had um, good insights in this journey. <laughs> and yeah, we're still alive. You blend a cigar. You roll it. You, you, you do the whole thing. You make the You make the whole product ready Bands. to go and you launch it and Boxes. he has yeah and he has no idea do do? How, how do you pull that off with the casada name on which is even like risky <laughs> you, uh, you the thoughts going through your mind that whole time is like we were we were in trouble i was like if oh, he finds out about trouble. this we're we're fucked i we're mean yeah we're, we're fired <laughs> like trump Fired. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd so say that that's we, probably we pulled one. it off. And let me tell you, like in the first day of the PCA that year, we sold all of our boxes. They worked yeah. out. Yeah, that worked out. You guys got lucky. <laughs> yeah. No, I've but been that, lucky. <laughs> but but that's no, but that's awesome. You know, that's you know, again, the, these. A lot of the times when we have people on the shows, the, the things I look forward to, I and mean, we ask questions about stuff and. We try to make it different every time, but what it comes down to for me as, you know, the interviewer, I like to hear those stories. I, I think that's the most exciting part yeah. of the, these shows is, is hearing those, those stories that are like personal, but they're also related to, you know, the business and what you guys are doing. And of course, there's such no, a and let me tell you something with somebody, if there's other um, young ones coming along, you know, they hear the stories and they say, well, maybe I have a chance. Maybe I can do this. Maybe, you know. It gives them the opportunity. Yeah, there's there's nothing you that you can't do. 
Um, I am watching the time. I know we're, I know we're getting close to the hour here, so uh, I'm going to wrap up the show <laughs> soon. But um, I just, first of all, I wanted to thank both of you for being here tonight. Again, I, Raquel, no, I know you're not feeling really well. Fun. Um, I know. You know, and I, I, I wanted to keep it short for you guys too. But, um, but no, thank you for being here. This has been awesome. Uh, Manolo, it was, it was great to have you on too. Um, and, and to hear from you and, and, and to pick your brain a little bit, which was, which was awesome. So thank you guys both <laughs> for being here. Um, it's, it's been an honor to have you both here. It's been, it been a pleasure honor for us as well. Thank um, you for having me. Absolutely. Anytime. Um, guys listening at home, thank you very much for being here with us tonight. And if not, you can always watch us later or listen to us later on all of the podcast platforms. And as always, <laughs> You can visit SmokingTobacco.com for more news, reviews, and updates from the cigar industry. That's going to do it for our show tonight. Um, once again, thank you to both of you for being here, and uh, we'll see you next week. Take care. Thank you for spending your time with us at Smoking Tobacco. Please remember to like and subscribe for more episodes and content. And as always, visit SmokingTobacco.com for news and updates from the cigar industry.